0: In the name of the one who is, was, and is, and is to come. Amen. Every December, a group of friends and I set ourselves a challenge. We try to write a poem every day for 31 days. We we post each poem, or as one person puts it, a poem-like shape every day and we give each other friendly comments. Many of us were trained in formal artist critique during years of writing workshops at prestigious institutions, but this is not that kind of feedback. It's more what my artist family used to call say ooh ah, as in, I'm gonna show you what I'm working on and I need you to say ooh ah right now about what I make, okay? So we would say, "Look at this cool thing." And the person responds. Thank you. Yes. So we set ourselves this challenge every year now for about 15 years or so. Some people post every day. Some people only make it there once or twice. The group shifts a little every year due to the, re- the changes in life, family members needing care, new jobs, etc. We have different levels of experience and publication credits, but none of that matters when someone writes a line that resonates right off the internet and into your chest, and then someone else does it the next day. Midway through the course of the month, though, things always start to get weird. (laughs) Each of us runs through our usual images and lineation, We exhaust the material we might have been saving up to work on. The end of the day comes and you still got to get something down. The poems that show up in the second half of the month are darker and stranger and sometimes more raw. It's not only that we've moved past our usual posturing, but now we are fully in the habit of looking at the world differently knowing that we will need to claim a moment to use as creative material. Sometimes I think of this as my poetry eye being open, a different kind of being awake, not just awake in the world, but awake to the world. Being awake to the world has, of course, its downsides. To slow down and pay attention, exposes us to pain and suffering. And that's probably why I don't like to do it. (laughs) I don't wanna bear witness because it's too frightening. If I choose stillness instead of a constant go, 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 I will see my own powerlessness in the face of the world's sorrows. But even going fast doesn't save me anymore. Now that we are so connected, each with a tiny camera in our pocket, we can broadcast the suffering we witness to a grand and broad audience, each other. We are privy to the intimacies, both joys and sorrows, of people whom we will never meet. What does it mean to be human in the face of witnessing tragedy and in the fear of more tragedy to come? I recently heard some indigenous wisdom about surviving an apocalypse. To not run from the parts of yourself that are wounded and grieving. To in fact, thank yourself and your creator for the humanity that you possess. She said, if pain is grief, that grief is love without somewhere to go. Love without a place to land. And yet, pain hurts. It, it makes me say with Isaiah, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. When is God going to show up and fix this for us? Or even just, when are things just going to get better? We seek patterns in our own experiences, in our own lives, in the face of death, and in the face of our little deaths, our, our pain and suffering. We want it to make sense. In Jesus' time, his community continued to splinter into the Pharisees and the Sadducees and various groups that thought they could do the right thing. They could make it happen if they just did the law the right way. We, too, want to follow God the right way. But how do we know what's the truth? Well, our culturally dominant way of knowing, to know what to do, to know what's right, to know what's truth, is using our sensory perception to identify that which can be tested, empiricism, right? And that test should return the same answer repeatedly, and then we call it proof. This kind of knowing goes hand in hand with logic and rationalism, or what we might call common sense. These are the two kinds of knowing that we have been taught to value. Along with them, we sometimes use authority trusting someone we hold in esteem to know what's right. These days, as authorities keep disillusioning us, we might rebrand this as authenticity. After all, authentic was the Merriam-Webster word for the year, for 2023. So empiricism, rationality, authority, authenticity, always we try to identify truth. Which is why it is pretty countercultural that all of us are here in this room right now, listening to these texts, doing all the various things that we do to worship God. Because, of course, the knowing by which we know God is neither empirical nor rational, it's a way of love and it's a way of grief. Creative regard, that poetry eye, seeing the world with empathy and curiosity means a connection to feeling. We might even call it intuition, a word for knowing that has been dismissed and feminized and hollowed out. We have been taught that what we know in our gut or in our heart is not to be trusted. And yet, we continue to understand the need for that kind of knowing. We can learn why a beloved died, even down to the minutia of the disease and its pathology, but reviewing that kind of data can't answer our questions about the purpose of their life and the hope of peace in death when we try to access that kind of knowing, we can feel woefully out of practice, just like it takes practice for me to see with that poet's eye. In the Gospel, Jesus invokes the fig tree's seasonal changes, which are regular signs and wonders, that for many of us are so absent from our lives lived mostly indoors that we've stopped noticing them. Even so, In the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift. As long as you are willing to stay awake. We can think of art, music, poetry, performance, like a kind of alarm clock then. Something that keeps us connected to our bodies. Because art should stop us in some way, should change our breathing, should make us move through the world differently, even if just for a moment or two. Art too uses indirectness, non-logical connections, symbols, all to distract that rational mind and bring us back into our bodies. The prophets, desperate for the people to understand, did the same. They used symbols, sometimes apocalyptic ones, They used extreme acts of their own bodies to try to get across what God wanted. And Jesus referenced that kind of apocalyptic prophecy in the gospel today. Of course, the idea of the prophet was to lead people away from what they were doing, to show them in graphic ways how staying the course would end up for them. So sometimes... In this season of predictable expectations, when we search for God through all the spackled joy of the consumer holidays, it can be useful to hold on to a piece of art that is not meant to comfort but to provoke. In advance of this evening's Lessons and Carols, which will be full of art, especially poetry, I want to offer you a poem like that just now. It's a poem by a man who grew up in Bethlehem and now lives in exile here in the US. A young poet named Ahmad al-Mullah and his poem is called Christos. Jesus, a prophet or God because in the shop he made as every carpenter of the time, tables and chairs, out of wood came the word As the original impulse was to hide behind an act. One can't be a prophet or a god without a cover. Something to do till the word gets around, so to speak. And as metal was not a thing for laymen to play around with, it had to be wood. The only dry thing that could catch fire and lead, like the word. People's animals and angels off course toward the light. In this season of Advent, I hope that we can slow down enough to awaken, to be moved out of our expected paths, even into a place that might feel like apocalypse. Let us be courageous enough to grieve to give love somewhere to land. Let us follow the prophets and sages and the art makers off course toward the light. Amen.